Castle Rock is getting crazy. Nadia is trying to save Pop's life. Pop's dark secret past is revealed. A possessed ace is starting a fellowship. And who exactly is Annie Wilkes? We learn the answer to that as well as so much more. Don't go to the laughing place because we have a lot to talk about. I'm Maria Menounos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, What's up, Castle Rock fans? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Castle Rock After Show here on AfterBuzz TV. I am Veronica Valencia, and joining me today, I have my awesome co-host, Katie Kawamoto. Hi, everyone. How are you, Katie? Good? I'm good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Excited to talk about these episodes. These good episodes. So for today's After Show, we will be covering episodes four and five. So episode four, Restore Hope, and episode five, The Laughing Place. And coming up, we're going to be obviously talking about Nadia and Pop, their relationship. We're also going to be talking about the possessed ace and this fellowship he is starting. We're also going to dive into a little bit with Joy and Annie's relationship and Joy trying to separate herself from Annie. And then we're going to go into episode five where we learn all about Annie's backstories, just exactly who Joy is, as well as her life growing up and what happened to Annie's parents. We also have some news and we're going to go on a little hunt later. What kind of hunt? An Easter egg hunt. But before we get into any of that, Katie, let's talk episode four first. So what were your overall thoughts on this episode? I thought we got a lot more of like little answers that we were looking for, you know, when you have more of Nadia's backstory because they finally confirm like what exactly happened with Mm -hmm. that. And then, you know, Nadia finds out. So it was nice to finally get some of these like final answers that we were waiting for because I feel like before that there was a lot of unknowns. Like We were wondering why, what he was hanging back from Mm -hmm. Nadia, but it was still a lot of information. So it was still like, okay. We have a lot of stuff that we're showing you in this episode. Mm-hmm. I I agree. I, we, Katie and I were talking a little bit before the show started of how funny it was, probably, Katie. For, yeah. Because I was making a lot of predictions uh, last episode. I hadn't seen episode four when we covered episode three. So it was kind of nice to watch it this episode and be like, oh, so my prediction was right. So Pop, you know, did unfortunately kill... Uh, Abdi and Nadia's mom and so that's kind of why he feels in he took them in because of a debt essentially and so what I liked about this episode is it really got got to focus a little bit on Nadia and Nadia and Pop's relationship and kind of how they both how their relationship I feel is not genuine I feel as though Pop feels they have a relationship because of the debt and maybe Nadia has a relationship because she has a duty to protect a a parent that she couldn't protect in her past. And we'll definitely dive into that. But I liked seeing that relationship kind of be fleshed out a little bit more in this episode. And you predicted the whole, like, if there was something between Nadia and... Oh! Oh, yeah. So you're right about that as well. Oh, yeah. Good call on that one. Sometimes things... Hey, sometimes I feel like stuff goes over my head. But this one I was, like, very proud of myself. Yeah. Uh, Let's dive into Nadia and Pop's relationship real quick. So, you know, we kind of start off with this flashback of Nadia and Abdi and Somalia. And basically we confirm what happens to their mom. And their mom was shot in this kind of uh, war. Yeah. You could say it was going on. And then... Then we kind of like flash forward a little bit to the present day where Nadia basically has to come in and tell Pop that his chemo isn't working. What did you, what was your reaction 
to how he took the news that he's basically going to die. I feel like, I mean, I don't know anybody personally who's had to go through that, but I know it's a very common thing that you don't want to keep putting your family through this, you don't want to keep putting yourself through this, and you kind of just want to be like, when I when I go, I go. So I think it was sort of normal, but no family member ever wants to hear a family other family member say that. Especially, uh, Nadia said... She came back to fix... I came back to fix you. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, what does she mean came back? Like, we yeah. haven't heard anything about that before. So, I was wondering why she had said that. But also, clearly, she knew before that that he was going through chemo and she wanted to help him. So, I mean, I think she handled it like anybody would handle it. Mm-hmm. And I think he handled it like a person who doesn't want to hurt or cause any more pain than he has to. So he, I don't think he wants to prolong the pain for Nadia. I think he's one of those people that's like, let's just plan for this. Mm -hmm. So it's not dragging something out that might still happen anyway. Mm -hmm. So I actually have a completely different idea of his reaction. But before I talk about that, I just want to talk about, I like the fact, Katie, that you brought up Nadia did mention she came back to Castle Rock. And I feel like that's a little bit of an interesting tidbit because it makes me very curious of her backstory. Was she itching to get out of Castle Rock because she couldn't handle the family life? Because as we see, Pop has rough relationships with all the boys. Mm -hmm. He obviously has a rough relationship with Ace and he has a rough relationship with Abdi. And then as we see with Abdi, with both Abdi and Ace, and maybe even Chris, they all sometimes, their initial instinct is, ooh, violence kind of thing. So I wonder if she was wanting to get out of maybe this family drama, and that's why she left. So I'm very curious if we're going to get a little bit more about her backstory, or if it's just, or if maybe it's not relevant to the overall story. Yeah. It's, I, I feel like they don't, they're really good about not bringing on storylines that they're not going to bring back to later. I feel like everything is pretty intentional. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Yeah, for sure. And then in regards to Pop basically finding out that chemo's failing, I think that it's interesting because I, I agree. I don't, like, there, are, you do hear stories of families who don't want their other family members to have to go through it because they tend to see them very ill, very frail when they're going through cancer treatments. And so, you know, it would make a lot of sense from hearing stories like that that maybe Pop didn't want to put his family through that. But kind of how I viewed it was, I think he wants to die because he he doesn't want Nadia to know his truth. I think he probably wants to die a good man in Nadia's eyes. Because if she finds out after the fact, that's not going to be the memory, like one of his last memories of her. One of his last memories of her is going to be, you know, a loving daughter with a good relationship with their father who loves him, who is trying to help him get better and get healthy again. And so I feel he's kind of uh, accepting death because he doesn't want to accept his truth and the lies that he's been telling. Yeah, that makes sense, too, because, I mean, at, and at that time when she says that, you don't know that he's living with all this guilt necessarily mm-hmm. until you find out later. So I think looking back on it, yeah, that makes sense, too, is he's like, can I just take this to the grave with me, basically, so that she doesn't know. Yeah. And I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. And I, I also get the impression that Nadia 
because she's trying so hard to save him. That might partially be from her, from having empathy as a doctor and wanting to save as many people as possible. That might also just come from the fact that, you know, she, it's her dad, but she thinks it's her fault. Why do you think she thinks if she can't save Pop, it's her fault? Any ideas? Because maybe, I don't think anyone in in the medical profession wants to be to lose someone they, yeah. that's their job is to do no harm and to help people so i think it's just kind of her code of as a doctor like i can't just give up on him mm-hmm. i don't know it's it's hard i don't really i feel like there's so much with nadia's character that she's not showing us so it's hard to know what some of her intentions are and what some of her thoughts are because i feel like she's very she holds it into yeah. herself. I don't think she tells people very often how she's really feeling, too. So it's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Do you think she became a doctor because of what happened to her mom? Like, like she probably wanted to save her mom at that moment, but she couldn't. But now she's a doctor and she has training to save people. I think that's why. Yeah, I, 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 when you put it that way, I think, yeah, I do think that had influence of why she became a doctor. Because it, it was weird to me that she thought it was her fault because I was like... How, you know, and, and I don't know, I like I said, her brain, I don't know mm-hmm. why she would think that, but maybe it's because she couldn't save her, I guess. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I do think that would be why she would pursue that. Yeah, side. it would make a lot of sense. I can see that maybe she wants to try and uh, do something good in her adult life that maybe she couldn't accomplish when she was younger and still in Somalia, which kind of brings me to when Pop is talking to the pastor And he's basically, like, having this session saying, oh, should I tell her or should I not tell her? And the pastor brings up a really good question asking him, um, you know, what does the confession, what does telling her cost her? And I found this to be very interesting because, you know, Papa's being all about himself in this moment. Like, how would it affect me? But the pastor turns around and be like, how would this be bad for Nadia? Did you have any thoughts of, like, what confessing uh would do to nadia like if she had found out the truth basically like yeah what would it cost her i think it depends on how you see the world and how you see how your actions affect others because so many people just think of i and they don't think of how it's going to affect other people and you see that a lot in real life and in tv so i think it was interesting that he brought that up because most people they might think oh they're going to be mad at me. Mm-hmm. They're going to be upset with me. They're going to be hurt by me. But they don't think, how is that individually person going to feel inside? Yeah. And I think that is one reason why, it, I think that made him think too, like, oh, I didn't think about that. Like, mm-hmm. he knows Nadia really well. And so I think he kind of knew the answer when when he told him that. Mm-hmm. So I I think that's why it's hard for people to say things sometimes too because they don't know how the person is gonna take it yeah so yeah at this point in the episode i didn't come to this realization yet but after kind of finishing and looking back on this question i found it to be a very insightful question because i think as i had kind of mentioned at the top of the episode i think that nadia and pop's relationship is interesting and that maybe it's not as genuine as we think obviously i believe pop is 
has a debt he feels he needs to Mm -hmm. repay. This is a sin he needs to be forgiven for. Maybe he has developed a relationship with Nadia over time that he wants to be genuine, but at the root of it all, it's he feels he is indebted to these two kids. And I feel like Nadia is the exact same way. I think when she lost her mother, she holds a lot of regret because she couldn't do anything to save her. And when she was adopted and had this new family, she wanted to, you know, have that parent figure in her life again. And then when Pop got sick, she didn't want to be the reason in her eyes that another parent figure was lost. And so I think it was interesting because what would it cost Nadia? Looking back, I think it would cost her not only another parent figure, but I would think it would also cost her the opportunity to also write her wrongs to, you know, not be able to pay off her debts in a way. Yeah, that makes sense. That's more, that's really more elaborate than I think my brain would think about. Because I I don't think when I was watching it, I thought about when you said in hindsight, which makes sense. Yes. Yeah. They both are trying to amend the sins that they think they've committed Mm -hmm. in their book. So, makes sense. And then coming up, you have... Pop, who, you know, at this point is accepting death, and he's like, I'm going to throw a wake for myself. Yeah. Which I thought was, it was very comical. It was comical and and disturbing at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like, it had, like, this dark comedy feel. Yeah. You know, which kind of is on brand with Pop, I think. He seems a little weird and abstract, and um, because, you know, most people don't throw a wake before you, like, die. Mm -hmm. So it was... And then, like, they had beers in the coffin. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> this is weird. But it was, it started off kind of comical. And then, obviously, at the end, you're just like, it got serious. Ooh, yeah. This got, and do you think he knew, did he know Nadia was there? Uh uh-uh, uh. No. He didn't, right? So no. when he was doing his speech and she came out, he was genuinely like, oh. Like, surprised, yeah. And so, it was, okay. I was actually, this was, Interesting, because, yeah, it started off very comical, but I feel it is very much in Pop's character to kind of be like, well, if I'm going out, I'm going to go out with a bang kind of thing, because he does seem well-respected in this town. Um, And I found it... I was shocked when he very openly said, oh, I adopted these two kids, but they were nothing but a debt to me. And that was kind of sad, because, you know, even though I'm saying I think their relationship is a, is a debt, it kind of opens up where it seems like, oh, he might genuinely have, you know, a good, caring parental relationship with uh, Nadia and Abdi, but then you find out, oh, maybe he didn't all along. But do you buy that he genuinely just thought they were a debt? Because, like, you said you, you think that that's how... He, like, I didn't get that vibe from him. I think he he's saying that to hide that he actually has feelings for them as his kids. Because, mm-hmm. like, people like to hide their real truth by making up a truth that maybe they want it to be the truth. Does that make sense? Yeah. So. I think he has been living the truth that he has this dark secret past for so long that it's hard for him to wrap the idea wrap around his head around the idea that he might have genuine feelings as a parent for these two kids. But, and so I think he'll tell himself until his dying breath that, oh, these kids were just a debt, these kids were just a debt. But I think deep down inside, at least toward Nadia, he does really view her as his daughter. Yeah. Because I think that's the one right maybe he sees in his life. Because look at how successful she is, at least from what we see. Like, she's a doctor. Yeah. 
she got out of Castle Rock, which I'm sure people in Castle Rock want to do. So it's like he can look at her and be, she is my success. Yeah. But, yeah, he made a lot of confessions, too, though. Like, he admitted that he failed as as an uncle to his mm-hmm. nephews, too. So what do you think he still would have said it if he had known Nadia was there? Because I think he would have. I don't think he said that just thinking she wasn't there. I think he would have said it if she wasn't there, and I think he would have made it... Not to say it wasn't genuine, but yeah. I think he would have made it a little bit more sincere. Like, look her in the eyes. Like, this is something that I've been meaning to tell you for a very yeah. long time. And then, yeah, she confronts him at the end because... She, she finds out. She's working so hard to get him into some new clinical trial, and she basically finds out, oh, this is this is the, you're, the war, the past that you don't like to talk about. So I'm really curious of how, if this relationship can be fixed. Do you think it could be fixed? Or do you think it's way too late? I don't think it's ever too late, but I'm I'm an optimist in that sense. But it's hard to know. I don't. We don't know enough about how hardened of a person she is. She doesn't seem like a hardened person. She seems like someone who is accepting of people as long as they're truthful. Because, I mean, we saw how she treated Annie. Mm-hmm. So I think, it, I don't know. She seemed pretty upset, and I think he's going to have to make some serious amends if she's going to forgive him. But it's hard. It's so hard to know. Yeah. I'm not, it's, because we know, I mean, we'll talk about it more later with what happens in the next episode, but yeah, I I don't think any, but I really don't think anything's Mm -hmm. completely hopeless. Even in Castle Rock. Even in Castle Rock. (laughs) Well, if there's one person trying to make amends, it's Ace. Or should I say, like, a possessed Ace. Yes. So let's talk about him for a little bit, because I found possessed Ace also somewhat comical in the sense that this possessed Ace obviously has no idea how the real Ace was as a person or his relationships. So to everyone in Castle Rock and his family, he's way off. And they're like, what are you doing? You're so off your own personality. And so it's kind of funny watching him basically telling Pop, oh, I won't cause Abdi any trouble. And it's like, well, of course you will. Yeah. Like, like who are you? Yeah, I something is off. I, I have thought maybe we can add them in predictions about mm-hmm. that but it's interest. it's definitely more it gives him more dimension that you're now like what what's he it's harder to read yeah. him now because now you have no idea he's like an open open book where you have no idea which direction he's gonna go mm-hmm. and then you learn more later but it was bizarre mm-hmm. it kind of added to the the feeling of the wake being ridiculous yeah you're like well, I think <laughs> I think he's doing, or the spirit that's possessing him is doing what he thinks is right because he's yes. watching home videos, and in those home yeah. videos, I guess it looks like they're a big happy family. So he's like, "Oh, so we must be a big happy family." But it raises, to me, it, it raised the question of, I guess, how much do these spirits maybe understand about the person they're possessing? Because in the very beginning of the episode, when Ace tries to give a ride to Joy, yes, he's like, "Hey, neighbor." And so I guess that could have just been in passing. Like maybe someone said, oh, your neighbor's Joy and Annie or something like that. But he knew that information. But he didn't know his relationship with his family, which is why he's acting so weird. So it kind of, I was thinking, do they know anything? Do they not know anything? Like is this, do they just completely have to figure out how to live as these people they're possessing? It's an interesting question. 
Yeah, and I don't think I could answer that with what we've learned so far. Mm-hmm. Especially since they weren't in episode five, so. Yeah. <laughs> so they're really not giving us any answers there. No. But we basically see, yeah, he's he has already recruited some people and they're killing off more people in this wake yeah. montage of murder trying to get new recruits, and then he stabs Chris, which I was kind of bummed about, because I was like, aw, you seem like a decent person. Kind of. I guess. Yeah, that was probably the saddest I was in the episode, was, oh, but, you know, good doesn't do very much good in Castle Rock, so. Yeah. For Castle Rock, it was on brand, but I was, like, not expecting that. But once he got away from from Ace, I was like, he's dead. Oh, see, I had a I, slight you, glimmer of hope. You didn't, did you, you thought that the priest or was gonna not kill him? No. Oh, okay, because see, I, I predicted that when I was watching it, because I was like, this is weird. Why would he, but. I think, I think the reason why I thought the priest maybe wouldn't have killed him was because, again, it's like one of those things that we don't fully see. We don't fully see just how many recruits they actually have. Yeah. Like, the cop who killed the councilwoman, I don't think we had seen him before. We saw uh, Abdi's worker friend, and then we also saw the real estate agent. Yes. We saw them go inside the house and get killed, and so we understand, okay, they're possessed, but, like, the cop or the pastor, it was like, when did they get possessed? Uh, because it's also, like, were they in the house? I guess, does it not have to happen in the house, like the murder and the possession doesn't have to happen in the house. These are all just questions of why I was confused, and I was like, "There's no way that the pastor could be possessed," but I was wrong. Yeah, which I didn't think about that. How the fact that they didn't get he didn't get killed in the house, which I hadn't thought about that till you just brought that up. Yeah, I mean, m- maybe they did, and it, we just kind of have to believe that's what <laughs> happened. But yeah. it also wouldn't make sense of why the pastor would go to the house. Yeah, unless it was like, oh. Let me bless this house. Like, the real estate agent was like, can you come bless the house? You know, kind of thing. Yeah, true. Didn't think about that. Hmm. Oh, that's a whole other, like, side of the show. That's the, that's like the unedited first draft of the script that we're getting into (laughs) right about now. Uh, Let's talk about Joy and Annie and basically how, yeah, it's come to the point where Joy is severely trying to get away from Annie because she can't handle Annie's spells, like her her really bad moments yes. of hallucinations. Yes. And what did you think of, you know, basically her living with, like, going to a shelter to escape her mom, being found by Nadia, and then kind of finding all these little trinkets of their run in a box? I think... I'm trying to think of how what my my thoughts were because i did watch it like mm-hmm. a week, a a week ago, ago. Yeah. yeah um i think it's just all kind of a shock to her she's learning all this mm-hmm. information that she never knew existed so i feel like, like i'm surprised like again i'm still surprised that she seems to be handling it as well as she is i feel like most people would be like why why do i have why does she have all these what's going on what's the reason of this and would kind of be a little frazzled but she just seems to be like, I guess this is how things are, and not affected by it. Yeah. And maybe we'll see her the effect on it later, but right now, right now she's just trying to make sure her mom's okay, and then trying to sort through all the stuff that she didn't know was in, involved in her life. I think Joy is handling the situation in a very mature way. Yes. I mean, granted, yes, she is running, but she is 
running to safety. She is confiding in Nadia because she wants to help her mom. She wants her mom to get supervised help. She wants her to be checked into an institution, which we kind of learn in the next episode. Like, she wants her to get better help because she can't always rely on her recipe of medicine. And so even though she's probably afraid and she wants to know, you know, why her mom has been lying to her at the very end of the day, she still cares about her and wants to help her. And she's just kind of keeping her distance right now so she can, you know, figure out a better way to go about it. And hopefully her mom can seek help. So I think she's handling it in a more mature way than maybe someone else would. Because I, you know... I could also have seen Joy completely just being like, hey, Chance, let's run. Let's go. Because she doesn't want to deal with her mom anymore. But she still wants to To be with her. To make sure her mom's okay at at the end of it all. Because that's who she was just her her and her mom for a long time. So Mm -hmm. she doesn't know anything other than protecting her mom. Exactly. Yeah. Any final thoughts on episode four? Katie? I don't think so originally i wrote i had written do we like chris and then by the end of the episode i was like (laughs) i do like chris and then you know and then yeah so and just the fact that they had this bloodshed in a church which is something that is supposed to not happen is supposed Mm -hmm. to be something sacred so even that was making a statement so Mm -hmm. i was like that's a bold statement too because you're not supposed to murder on in nothing's impossible in castle rock no yeah i mean it wasn't it wasn't like surprising but it was just one of those things where you're like ooh, okay they mean business because they're killing him in a church. Like, yeah. Clearly, it's not the priest at all anymore because he wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was very excited to kind of see what more is happening with these spirits and getting a little bit of context on the, you know, Salem's Lot or it was called Jerusalem's Lot yeah. and all this. So, I was very happy to get some context about that. Yeah. And I think overall, like I said, it was a good episode diving into some of the characters' relationships. And at the very least, I'm also kind of happy that if a character gets killed off, it's not the last we're actually going to see yeah. this character. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to be the character that we're supposed to see, but it's nice that we get to still kind of see these actors around. Yes, correct. And not be like, okay, they're gone. Mm-hmm. Bye. For sure. <laughs> Let's talk about episode five the laughing place but before we get into episode five uh katie you're also on another show right a few other shows here at after buzz what are those uh batwoman and then i do a show over on our other network popcorn talk which is a a comic-con prep show and yeah so awesome so obviously those are two very different types of show and what i want to let all of our viewers and listeners know is that we here at after buzz have a show an after show for every kind of show. We have sci-fi and superheroes like Batwoman. We have specialty shows like your convention, like convention yeah. shows. Mm-hmm. I we I do Survivor after this, so we obviously do reality shows. We do dramas. We do comedies. We do movies. We have everything here at AfterBuzz TV. But in order to keep us, in order to have us remain the ESPN of TV Talk. We ask all of our viewers and listeners to please give this video a thumbs up, subscribe to our channel, and if you're listening on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating because you know one through four are not working. Uh, But wherever you are, please stay involved in the conversation. We're going to be talking about Easter eggs coming up. So definitely, if you are in our live chat right now, let us know what Easter eggs you saw. Or if you're watching this at a later date, let us know your thoughts and opinions on these episodes and let us know anything you saw. Let us us know anything that you know of what's happening in the Stephen King universe because it's huge. And there's obviously a lot that 
you know, there's a lot of his works that we still, Katie and I, don't really know about. So it would be yeah. great to know about these things. So stay involved in the conversation. Give us a like. Subscribe to our channel so that you can continue seeing more awesome content. Yes. All right. Let's go into episode five, The Laughing Place, which this was a whole flashback episode yes. of Annie and trying to figure out exactly who is Annie Wilkes. Katie, what were your overall thoughts on this episode? I'm glad we finally got like kind of a more centric focus because when it it's good to get all this backstory, but I'm glad we're kind of getting more into the meat of individual characters mm-hmm. because at this point in the series, we're halfway through now, you need to have that moving forward where you're learning about kind of the more specific characters in general. I mean, it is a little bit of a risk because you're not putting those other characters, but it kind of was a nice break to not be like, jump, 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 Mm -hmm. jump, jump. And I thought it was fascinating because there was a lot of stuff that I just could not predict would happen in that episode. I would never have predicted what happened with her dad and so many other things. So for me, this one was kind of a surprise to me because I didn't see any of those signs previously. You mean... Mm -hmm. You, I always just assumed she went crazy on her own accord, not because of something that happened in her past. Yeah. So. Exactly. I like that you used the word unpredictable because I definitely agree that this episode was very unpredictable. I like the fact that we got to see a backstory, especially because uh, up until now, these four episodes, Joy has constantly been asking, like, who's my dad? What are we running from? What's going on? And it's kind of nice to see all of Joy's questions being answered to us as an audience. The only downside of this episode, and it could be a downside depending on how you interpret it, for me, I felt like there was a disconnect maybe a little bit between the Annie's past and Annie's present where I feel like a lot of Annie's present is dealing with some kind of supernatural force, some type of hallucinations whereas her past you don't really see that. It's kind of more uh, trauma. It's a very traumatic past that we see of, you know, family struggles. And so I was kind of thinking that, you know, these hallucinations or, you know, this kind of supernatural force that seems to be following her started when she was a kid, but we didn't see any of that. So that was the only thing that felt a little off to me, but overall it was still a fun episode. Yeah. I mean, fun in the lightest lightest sense of the word. Uh, So yeah, let's get into um, Annie's childhood first, where we basically see, you know, she's at school and she knocks a girl out with a lunch pail, which that was shocking. That was a whoa. We know that her using weird things to hurt people started young. Started young, yeah. Lunch pails, ice cream scoopers. Yeah. We see a trend there. But we basically learned that the school is concerned Annie might have some type of pathological compulsive behaviors. Yeah. And her parents think that's nonsense. And so they decide to homeschool her. However, her parents are very much at odds with this. Her dad yes. is like, I'll do it because he seems to have like a very positive personality whereas her mom is like someone authentic and with training needs to be the one to tutor her yeah what did you think of the parents personalities like how the mom kind of seemed to be a little bit more realistic whereas the dad kind of seemed to be a little bit more hopeful I guess maybe you could say oh I think one is the dad has an artistic brain because he's an author and Mm -hmm. the brains of an artist is very different than someone who's like a realist or anything like that. And her mom reminded me of her when she's older, for sure. Like, as soon as I oh, saw yeah. her mom, I was like, we understand why she became the way she was. Her mom seems very much like 
her. Mm-hmm. But she wasn't like that when she was a kid. So that was what I thought. Is I was like, okay. But yeah, her dad, I think he just, he doesn't know how to have, like, the normal nine-to-five job. Oh, not at the all. the mom is more of a, sees things how they are. And he sees things as how he wants them to be, I think would be the best way to describe mm-hmm. it. So... Oh, yeah. No, we definitely see that in that he is, you know, he's an author. He does kind of have this more optimistic outlook on life. You know, he's a creative spirit that kind of likes to do things at his own pace, whereas uh, Annie's mom is a little bit more grounded in realism. She sees that she's the one having the stable job. She's the one, you know, keeping the household together. She's the one who wants to make sure that Annie is getting better and not just feeding into the dad's you know, kind of game, I guess, of his book, which we learned he's the one writing The Ravening Angel, this book that we keep seeing yes. throughout the series. And, you know, because the, her mom is so grounded in realism, we basically see she starts, she hires Rita, yeah. who, Rita seemed like she was going to be cool in the beginning, but uh, she took a turn, didn't she? Yeah, it was like the old nanny scenario. The old, that old, yeah, like the stereotypical <laughs> yeah. idea of like the nanny getting with the husband, the, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, she taught her well, and I think she did what... You can't have just want someone reading one book every single day to learn anything. And I think she had good principles, and she had her the right mindset. I don't think she went in intentionally planning on no, being, like, yeah. the side girl or anything. But I was like, oh, they're bringing in a little spin to, the, to that. So, yeah, I liked her, and then I was... I don't know that I don't like her now, but I definitely changed my mind of her later on. I think Annie's idea of... Because she, obviously Rita is teaching her very different things about yes. life and the world through the books that she's reading. And I think Annie lived... Obviously because she was homeschooled, I think she lived a very sheltered life because yes. her idea of good and bad is very black and white. Like, you're good if you're good. If, you know, you did something wrong, you're bad. And there's yeah. no, there's none of this it's complicated stuff. There's none of this room for error stuff. So I thought her, I thought that was interesting of how... Her mom seems to be that way. Her mom does seem to be yeah. that way. I actually want to talk about her mom a little bit because, as you were saying, I do see Annie as an adult kind of in her mom. But I was curious about how you viewed her mom kind of throughout this story because in the beginning it seemed that Annie had a very close relationship with her dad yes. and I don't know if it's just because her dad was always present because he is the creative mind because he was home and she the her mom was always absent because she was working to try yeah. and get money for them but I felt kind of bad because it seemed like maybe I don't know if she felt absent in Annie's life because she was always gone or if like she thought of herself as the bad parent because she was the one, you know, putting her foot down, making sure that Annie was getting proper education with the tutor. Uh, What did you think? Do you think she felt she viewed herself as, you know, like the mean parent? Do you think she struggled having a relationship with Annie? I think it's a little bit of both. I think her mom has a sort of mental, sort of a mental illness. You know, obviously she's OCD and things like that. So I think it's a little bit of both where she's trying to balance being a mom even though she's also trying to take care of the family. And mm-hmm. it's hard when one parent's home and de- develops a bond with a kid and you're not able to be there. So you're like, well, how can I fix this? So I think she literally is just doing, wearing so many hats in this family that 
you can't be good at all of it. You can be good at running a house, but then maybe the parenting suffers from it. Yeah, but I your think, relationship. Yeah, yeah, so I think she's genuinely trying, but I think there's something going on mentally, too, where she doesn't necessarily know how to do be a parent as mm-hmm. well as in the same ways as her dad is. Yeah. So. And I like the fact that you bring this up that maybe her mom was suffering from something because this was also one of those questions that I had was, is she suffering from some type of hallucination like Annie was or Annie is that we see in present day or is she suffering from something like depression and that's kind of what resulted in, you know, that event basically. I think there was definitely depression going on and then you see later on in it that there was because... She doesn't act like someone who's happy at all Mm-mm. and looks like she's struggling with these demons and she doesn't know how to figure it out until she figures it out. Yeah. So. Yeah. I found it interesting her talking about getting away clean or her even talking to Annie about how maybe she feels trapped because she says, oh, you know, men or people keep you low to the ground and they take what they want and that's what her Annie's dad did to her. Yeah. So I feel maybe in her marriage she felt trapped. And this was all yeah. probably behind the scenes going on was the affair that we yeah. don't learn about until after Annie's mom uh, passes and we find out, oh, there's a new family in town and it's Rita and her baby that is also Annie's half-sister. Yes. Which turns out to be Joy. Yes. That was mind-boggling. I was... Once she had her baby, I figured it out. Like, oh, this is most likely going to be Joy. But for some reason, I didn't put it two and two together that it was her half-sister until the end. (laughs) I don't know why my brain didn't get there as it being her half-sister until the very end of the episode when she was carrying Joy. Mm -hmm. But I was like, when she... When I saw that Rita was pregnant, I'm like, I'll bet that's Joy. I just... I definitely would have never thought that Joy is her sister. Oh, no. I didn't get that at yeah, all. Yeah, at all. I was surprised. I was like, oh, okay. When uh, I felt Annie's trauma basically started when, you know, her mom drove her into a lake. Mm-hmm. And now she's getting, in, she's getting this new family, family, which she liked Rita, but I don't think she respects Rita as her mom. Or no. she wants to treat Rita like her mom because... At, she, she even says, oh, mom passed only six months ago. This is very quick. And she basically all at once learned about the affair because her parents, like I said, kept her so sheltered. Yeah. They didn't want to tell her anything, which, like, keeping stuff is not no is not good. Like, it's just going to... More often than not, it does more damage than it does It does good. way more damage. And I think in this case, it did a lot of damage because out of nowhere, she finds out she has a half-sister. She basically gets a new mother. And I think Annie feels very neglected. Yeah. Because, yeah, there's this new family that her dad's paying attention to. She kind of gets kicked to the curb because she's not getting her dad's attention anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, she's... She had to move up to the basement. Everything got moved around. So, yeah, I think she holds a lot of resentment toward Rita and the new baby. Yeah. I think that's given and understandable, given all the trauma she had to endure in that six months with her mom. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure she can never come back from that trauma. Yeah. And then how gut-wrenching it must have been that the book that meant so much to her growing up wasn't dedicated to her. Yeah. 
that one I was like, ooh, this that is going to be her. That was bad. Unraveling from that because that, that hurt me. And that I was, hurt oh, me. Yeah. I was like, you know, this meant so much to her. This was a big thing for her growing up. This is probably yeah. her foundation for who she was at this moment. And she was typing it. Yeah. Every day. That's how she was learning. Yeah. And he really messed up. But then, yeah, she accidentally pushes her dad, kills her dad, but she stabs Rita. Yes. Which, again, I think heart stems from the resentment. Yes. She probably feels like, oh, this I did this to my dad because he dedicated to you. Like, you're the root of all yeah. my problems, essentially. But she's alive yeah. at the end of it all. Which, that surprised me. Me, too. I was not... But I, I should have caught it like you didn't see her die. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, you just assume she's dead. She bled out. She's dead. So then you're like... And the fact that she found her so easily that she knew that that was the right... Yeah, that seemed a little No, you don't know what she looks like. Yeah, so that one threw me off a little bit. Like, how did this girl randomly find the one, the one. Rita in this, you know, Facebook type thing? Yeah. You don't know what she looks like. You're just the only The only thing she can go off of is if she knew that her mother was from Bakersfield. Yeah. And I think that's, like, the only other clue that she could gotcha. maybe piece together. Because I don't think she had anything else. I'm pretty sure Annie kept her just as sheltered as yeah. she was growing up. Yeah. Uh, but one last question before we go into our news and our Easter eggs. Yeah. Did you... Were you surprised that Annie did not kill Evangeline or Joy, as we now know her? I, at first, I was like, I, I was, but as soon as you see that baby laugh, I mean, who, if someone can kill a baby after they are laughing, it would have been like, you would have known something was significantly wrong with her. Mm-hmm. And since this whole thing is called the laughing place, you're like, of course it, it ends with her finding This is peace. my laughing place. This is her yeah. finding peace and realizing that there's something else going on here that she's now going to protect this kid yeah. from the cruel world that is all around her. So. I actually this is just a prediction actually it's not a prediction I'm curious if she knows if Rita's alive or not she's been yeah. on she's been on the run and the last she saw Rita Rita was lying down with like scissors in her gut so as far as she knows Rita could be dead so I'm just curious yeah I don't know something to think about yeah all right that is our coverage for episode four and five of Castle Rock season two let's go into a little bit of news So not necessarily Castle Rock specific, but definitely following the Stephen King universe. This weekend, uh, Doctor Sleep opens in theaters, which I think I'm pretty excited about. I'm excited about it, yeah. I feel, I I don't know about you, Kitty, but I feel The Shining was so popular, and especially it may have even been the introduction for a lot of uh, Stephen King fans. Yeah. Uh, for people who become fans of his work, The Shining may have been that introduction. Yeah. It was so popular. So the fact that we are getting basically a sequel, we're following uh, Danny Torrance as an yeah. adult. We're going to get to see that. We're going to maybe get some nice little... I haven't read the book, so I can only assume that maybe we're going to get some nice flashbacks yeah. to what happened to him at the hotel when he was a kid. Plus, it's also got Ewan McGregor in it. And he it. seems like he's going to be fantastic in it. So. Oh, he's just an incredible yeah. actor in general, so I can imagine how good he is yes. going to be. But I feel this movie will do very well, as I said, because it's already stemming from... it's. It has a couple of good things going for it. First of all, it's a Stephen King... Uh, movies. Second of all, it's stemming from a very popular Stephen King story and movie. Yeah. So I think it. I think it'll do very well. Yeah, I do. I think so too. It's already getting a lot of hype. So 
Yeah. I'm I've, excited. I'm I've hoping heard, to see it this weekend. I've heard good things as well. Yeah. So I'm very excited as well. All right, guys. It is about time we go on a little Easter egg hunt. So here's a little bit of the Easter eggs we found between episodes four and five. And like we said, we there's... I'm sure there are so many. There's so many of Stephen King's work. There's a lot of talented and creative writers that really know how to stick things in writing and keep them, you know, as surprises. So if you saw anything, please let us know in the comments. We would love to see what you found. Katie, was there anything you found? For me, it was mostly... Because this, because of the meat of this episode, it was really hard for me to pay yeah, attention oh, yeah, to them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But in episode four, you know, you see the arrival of the book, which is misery later on mm-hmm. in her life. She goes to, you know, literature and writing in a book mm-hmm. is a very uh, relevant to her later on in life. So, of course, that was the one Easter egg, as you're seeing. Yeah. The first book, I guess, that's involved in her life, uh-huh. in Annie's life. Yeah. So. Uh, the one that I found was in episode where was it? in episode four, which I I knew that there would some they would try and stick something here. So when Nadia is going through Pop's desk trying to find all of his military records, she goes through a desk and finds a bunch of letters from Shawshank. And yes. I, as soon as I saw Shawshank, I was like, "There's got to be something there." And you can see that there is a familiar name from season one, Alan Pangborn. Yes. So that was a nice little tidbit, because that wasn't even... Because, you know, that was a tidbit from also season one, not just previous Stephen Correct. King books. So that yes. was kind of cool to get a little... I wonder if we'll see, like, Henry Deaver yeah, somewhere. Yeah, it's very likely. Yeah. I, who knows at this point? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, some I have not read Misery, but something I did look up because, as you said, it's sometimes hard for me to pay attention to trying to find Easter eggs while also watching closely this episode. So I did look some up, and although I have not seen Misery, uh, from what it looks like, and everyone, our listeners or watchers can let us know for sure, there were a lot of Misery references, I think, in these few episodes. Yeah. I, I'm not really, really familiar with Misery either, so I, I'm sure there were. I just was very engrossed in what was currently happening, mm-hmm. so, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, there's so many, and when we're watching it, it's kind of hard to, like, yeah. go back and be like, was there an Easter egg there? Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, what's what exactly is going <laughs> yeah. on? So, so, yes. But, please, those are just a few that we found, but, like I said, let us know if any of your viewers or listeners found any additional Easter eggs. We would love to... Uh, see those because like we said there I'm sure there are so many we are completely missing here so that's why we need everyone's help and speaking of everyone we are so happy and really appreciative that you tuned into the Castle Rock after show and that just about concludes our coverage for tonight Katie where can the fans find you on social media you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at KT underscore Christine uh, I will try to tweet out my predictions if you guys have any please let us know and yeah you can also find me on other shows here at Afterbuzz, like Batwoman at 1010 on Sunday nights for sure. And like Katie said, if you have any predictions coming up for next week's episode, please feel free to drop them in the comments. We'd love to see them and chat with you guys. You can find me, Veronica Valencia, on Twitter and Instagram at it's me, Veronica underscore V. You can also catch me on the Survivor After Show coming up right after this at 9 p.m. Thank you so much for tuning in and have a good night. And we'll see you next, next week. week. Bye, guys. Bye. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. 
Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.